Wanted for the theft of $1.9 million from the Benton Barn Steel Mill. Kevin and Ann McCord maybe armed and dangerous. Well, looks like the only thing you didn't lie about is your marriage. That's not what you think. I can explain. It was Wayne. I had nothing to do with it. One day he comes home and says, pack your bags. The next thing I know, I'm on the FBI's most wanted list. What am I supposed to do, Michael? He's my husband. I was in love with him. There's supposed to be a half million dollars in that safe. He must have moved it. We can find it, Michael. We can be together. We can go to Mexico. Fuck Mexico! I'm gonna break. I'm gonna break my... Gonna break my rusty cage and run. I'm gonna break. I'm gonna break my... Gonna break my rusty cage. Hello and welcome to CageCast, the podcast that joyfully dissects the filmography of one of America's most unique and engaging leading men, Nicholas Cage. I'm Nate Porter, and with me is my femme fatale of a co-host, Britt Porter. Hello! Or should I say, hello? You should say it like that. Can you talk the entire podcast that way? I can try. Then I'm going to end up sounding like a female Batman, though. I'm fine with that. Just keep on doing that. Uh, I'm Batman. Well, that works for me. That works for me. All right. Well, Why don't you tell everyone else how CageCast works. All right. Well, uh, here is how CageCast works. We are in the process of watching every Nicolas Cage film in order according to the film's release date. We will be reviewing every film in which Nicolas Cage had either a starring role or an integral supporting role. This week, we'll be discussing our 15th film, 1993's Red Rock West. See, you have to say it. Red Rock West. Red Rock West. Red Rock West. All right. I'm not going to say it like that. Well, going to However, you know what I will do? I will break down the film's plot and themes. And then afterward, all of us will rate the film on a scale from zero to four stars in three different categories. First is the film's entertainment value. The next is the film's artistic value. And then the last is in terms of Cage's actual performance. On our last episode, our cumulative score for Amos and Andrew was a whopping 6.5 out of a possible 24, which actually puts it in... 12th place out of the 14 movies reviewed. So, not very good. Will Red Rock West claim Red the Rock top... West. <laughs> I'm not going to say it like that. Will Red Rock West claim the top spot this week? It's actually possible. You'll have to listen to find out. Ooh, that was a little foreshadowing. I, it's a... It, I, it, the movie sucks. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Listeners, you're that's getting my mixed po- That's my poker... Um, Voice. Your poker voice. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, as a reminder, we do not share our scores with each other before the show. We round out the show with our patented cage cast running totals rapid fire questionnaire. Hey, Britt. What? Guess what? What? <laughs> <laughs> we, have, uh, we have a couple guests with us for this review. We do. We do. Joining us for this episode of cage cast are our good friends. Oh, or arch nemesis. This Nemesis, Either way, arch nemesis, Haley and Lucas. Haley and Lucas, welcome to the Cage Cast. Hey everyone. Oh, look how nice they sound. They're hey, evil. If you guys could speak directly into the microphone, that would really help the uh, audience hear you. Okay. Oh, that sounds so good. <laughs> Haley, Haley, are you there? I'm here. I'm oh, here there me. you are. Okay, great. Okay. 
Excellent. Well, really quick, uh, Lucas, we'll start with you. What is your history with Nicolas Cage, per se? Well, I mean, I wasn't the biggest fan, but I did enjoy some of his movies, so I would call him uh, okay. acquaintance so you're, of a movie you're a stuff. moderate Cage fan, then? Yeah. Okay, that works. So, Haley, what about you? Nicolas Cage, go. My experience was pretty shallow. I think it began with Gone in 60 Seconds, and then it pretty much started with you guys. I think that's when I started seeing more of his older films, and I haven't really seen too much of him recently. All right, so kind of sounds like a, a little bit of a cage newbie, but that's good. I feel like we ranged the entire gambit of cagedom here today, and what a movie to range the gambit on. Yes, I agree. Anyway. This, was a, this was a good one for yeah. the... Well, it's- Unaffiliated cagers. Let's uh, dive into it now that all the uh, pleasantries are out of the way. Yeah, screw pleasantries. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this film was released on June 16th, 1993, and that was in Europe. Uh, but in 1994, it was released in a few theaters in the United States. And let me actually explain what happened here. This movie is not like a direct-to-video kind of thing, but test audiences really didn't understand the movie, and the American distributors didn't didn't know what they had and they didn't know how to market it and so they were afraid of putting too much marketing dollars behind something that would lose money and so ultimately what they did was they sold the rights to HBO it went to a couple film festivals they uh, went in for Sundance and Sundance that said this is basically not a Sundance movie which is crazy because it feels now like this is a perfect Sundance movie to me but uh, at the time just people weren't really thinking that way this is kind of right before the independent film renaissance of the 90s and so it was really made, in my opinion, a couple years too early, but that's what happened. So it really didn't get a proper wide theatrical release in uh, the United States, but I'm told where it did play, it did very well. I, I think it played in New York for like six months, which is crazy. That and is crazy. actually makes sense because it's really good. Yeah, I would agree. And that might explain the whole budget box office figures as well, because... There was a budget of around eight million dollars to make it. They only grossed two point five. Right, and most of that was Europe, and that's in pounds or francs or euro. Wasn't euros then? So the conversion is hard anyway. Who knows, really? I mean, it's a damn shame. If you ask me, we're not scientists. No, (laughs) you know what I mean. (laughs) We're not. I'm not a rocket scientist. No. How you are a toaster scientist. Oh, toast sounds so good right now. <laughs> oh, man, let's hot buttered let's hit toast. Pause. While we go get toast, Britt, why don't you talk about the notable co-stars? Okay, we have a good cast in this one. Um, a small, tight knit little group, but very solid actors all the way around. Mm. I would say J.T. Walsh, who I didn't recognize his name on screen, but then you see his face and you go, "Oh, that guy." He was in Sling Blade, A Few Good Men, and Pleasantville, to name a few. I think he's a good, solid. Yeah, character actor. Yeah, I'm totally, almost like character actor plus him. in but my But you know book. what happened? He died in 1998. That's why you don't see him anymore. Yeah, oh, it's too bad. Also a damn shame. I, uh, we have a shame. candle uh, in the corner here at the Cage Cast Suite. <laughs> <laughs> atop the um, the Space Needle here. It normally burns for Cage, but for one night only, it's burning for J.T. Walsh. Walsh. Yep. Yeah. Laura Flynn Boyle. Oh, yeah. Obviously is known by some for Men in Black 2. I think she was the main villainess yes. in that. Yeah. Uh, she was 
Wayne's crazy psycho, was she, psycho hose beast girlfriend. Was she uh, was she a gun rack? Yeah. A gun rack. Yeah, I don't even own a gun. <laughs> a gun, let alone many guns. Oh, I love that. We could just Stacy, wasn't welcome, she Stacy? Yeah, she was Stacy. Welcome oh. to Wayne Cast. But she's good. She was in the practice, but obviously I knew her most from Twin Peaks, which was a David Lynch TV show from the 90s. It was awesome and it's actually coming back and I think Laura Flynn Boyle is going to be reprising her role in that. So that's great. Woo. Dennis yeah. Hopper. Dennis Hopper. Hey, Amy Lucas, you quiet little minxes <laughs> over there. Dennis Hopper, what are your what are your thoughts? Well, we know that he was actually in True Romance. Oh, you know that? I oh, I do know that. You saw that. I recently. did see that, but that was my only experience with them. Did you, Lucas, did you see them in anything? I've seen Apocalypse Now, and he was really good in that. Yes. Um, but I really enjoyed him in this one. He, he did a great job. You know, this was a few years before Evil. my guilty pleasure favorite Dennis Hopper role in Speed. <laughs> I like, love he's Speed. So he's crazy. so good in that. And you see, like, hints of his Speed character yes. in Red Rock West. A little bit. Just Red a titch. Well, Just the, a touch. Because he's got the crazy eyes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I think Dennis Hopper. I think that you're forgetting his life. penultimate crazy guy. And? Who? Villain. What? Villain and role. What? what? Waterworld. Hello. Oh, oh what? That's right. They, they remade in that. that into Fury Road this year, too. Yes, they so did. And it was better as Fury Road, move. if you ask me. But yeah. <laughs> to round out our notable co-stars, Dwight Yoakam. <laughs> Why Yoakam? Dwight Yoakam, country legend, is plays a little part in this he movie. He has a little cameo. And he does a great job. Yeah, he's like a badass trucker. Yeah, but like with the heart of gold. I really sort like of. Dwight. No, Is he, his heart well, golden? Well, he didn't kill Nicholas Cage. Is that all it requires, For required me? of a golden heart? Yeah. Don't kill Nicholas Cage. Uh-huh. <laughs> I haven't killed Nicholas Cage recently. Well, then this film was directed by John Dahl, who we feel is... Pretty serious, real deal director. He did Rounders. Oh, great movie. Have you seen Rounders? I guys? love Rounders. Yeah, actually. Rounders. That was good. That yeah. was a good one. Matt Damon. He did Joyride. But now he's doing TV, I think, pretty successfully, right? But like real deal TV. Yes, yeah. real TV. Mm-hmm. He did episodes of Justified. He did House of Cards recently. ton of Californication and a ton of Dexter, which yeah, is a great you show. You love that oh, show. Those are all great. Yeah, so real deal guy. He Good can job, do John Dahl. Movies. He can do, and obviously doing these independent films launched him into a real big boy career, which is great. This movie actually was nominated for a couple of awards, Independent Spirit Awards, back when that actually meant something in the early 90s for Best Director for John Dahl and Best Screenplay for his brother, Rick Dahl. So this was kind of a effort. A, bro- a brother's doll? <laughs> was this a brother's doll production? Okay, the cage genre, we tried to figure this out. And Lucas, you actually helped us. So why don't you tell us what cage genre this is? It's, and we went around for a little bit uh, trying to figure out exactly what this was, but we came down with it's an everyman cage. Right. He's a good guy who's trying to do the right thing. It could be any of us on yeah. the screen. He sure. doesn't have too many sharp edges. Right, and, exactly. It's yeah. it's an understated performance. He's not crazy wild over the top, but but interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyman Cage. Everyman Cage. I and I think that too we might have to go back and amend some of our previous genres to the Everyman Cage now that we've sort of settled on that. Is Boy in Blue Everyman Cage? Is Amos is Amos Odell an Everyman? Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, so. I think, so. I think I mean, Amos Adele is an everyman. Yeah. The last thing we want to touch on briefly is the soundtrack. Now, there are tons of country songs on the soundtrack, including Dwight Yoakam, Johnny Cash, Shania Twain, Toby Keith. And here's the deal. 
I don't like country. Okay, let let the cat out of the bag here. I don't <laughs> like country music, but I. I really kind of like this soundtrack, and I've been listening to a lot of these songs all week. So, what does that mean? Oh, you no. do? No, you do like country. But it's what is different about this country than the country that this, I'm thinking of? This is that the I don't old like. school classic country. This is not your. No offense to the pop country that now exists. I think you're you're onto good country. Nate. Yeah, this is, this is some pretty good stuff. Dwight Yoakam actually was asked by the director to write a song for the movie. He went home and in like two hours came back and played this song that you'll hear at the end of the movie uh, for the director and loved it. And they didn't end up releasing the soundtrack anywhere. And so he just put on one of his albums and it was a pretty big hit for him, I think. Now, did it give the synopsis of the movie? In the stylings of Sir Mix-a-Lot. Mm. Oh, for those of you who haven't listened, False. Amos and Andrew <laughs> was pretty great because Sir Mix-a-Lot came in and and wrapped the plot of the movie at the end of the movie. And I would I'm proud to say yes, Dwight Yoakam wraps the plot of the movie at the end. Okay, mm-hmm. well then it's a so, good song in my book. So that's something for you all to look forward to. We'll be right back with our review, but first we're going to have a little uh, music from the man in black himself, the man who gave us our theme song, Johnny Cash singing Hey Porter. Tell me now that we're in Tennessee. Go tell that engineer to make that lonesome whistle scream. We're not so far from home, so take it easy on the steam. Hey, Porter, hey, Porter, please open up the door. When they stop this train, I'm going to get off first because I can't wait no more. Tell an engineer I said thanks a lot and I didn't mind the fare. I'm going to set my feet on southern soil and breathe that southern air. And we are back. So real quick, what's your history with this movie? Have any of us seen this before? False. No. No. Okay. Were any of you looking forward to watching this movie? I was nervous. Okay. Could go dark. I was intrigued. Okay. And we'd, I, heard, we'd heard lots of good things. Right. I wasn't really feeling it. Oh, wow. Ooh. Oh, wow. Rough. Wow. And I, more ready for a Mission Impossible. Yes. And to, <laughs> round, and to round it out, I was over the moon. <laughs> Again, the full gambit. Right, exactly. The full and spectrum so, represented. And so let's tell you what we saw. Ladies, if you could both give us the plot synopsis in your best femme fatale voices, I would be forever obliged. Ooh. All right. Let's do this. All right. Brit, you first. Michael Williams is a drifter living out of his car after being discharged from the Marine Corps. A job on an oil field falls through due to his unwillingness to conceal a war injury on his job application. So Michael wanders into rural Red Rock, Wyoming, looking for other work. A local bar owner named Wayne mistakes him for hitman Lyle from Dallas whom Wayne has hired to kill his wife. Wayne offers him a stack of cash, half now, half later, and Michael doesn't correct him, taking the money. Michael then visits Wayne's wife, Suzanne, and attempts to warn her that her life is in danger instead of killing her. She offers him more money to kill Wayne. (laughs) Michael tries to leave town, but a car accident leads him to encounter the local sheriff. Who turns out to be Wayne? Oh. Bum, bum, bum. 
We didn't even practice that. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, go ahead. Michael manages to escape from Wayne, but runs into the real Lyle from Dallas. Lyle and Wayne quickly figure out what has transpired while Michael desperately tries to warn Suzanne before Lyle finds her. Michael subdues Lyle before he kills Suzanne, and the two escape and head to the next town. Michael and Suzanne sleep together and make plans to flee to Mexico and start a new life, but not before Michael agrees to return to Red Rock. The next morning, when Lyle comes to get money from Wayne, he kidnaps both Suzanne and Michael, who are trying to retrieve hidden cash from Wayne's office. Wayne and Suzanne are revealed to be wanted for embezzlement, and Wayne is arrested by his own deputies. Lyle returns with Michael and Suzanne held hostage and gets Wayne out of jail to retrieve their stash of money. At a remote graveyard, Wayne pulls a gun from the case of money and holds Lyle at gunpoint before Lyle throws a knife into Wayne's neck. Michael and Lyle fight, with Lyle ending up being impaled on a grave marker. When Lyle rises to attack Michael, Suzanne shoots him dead. Michael and Suzanne escape onto a nearby train. But when Suzanne tries to betray Michael, he throws the money out of the speeding train and then throws Suzanne off to be arrested by the arriving police alongside a wounded Wayne. Michael's train continues its journey into a new town. Wow. Incredible. Britt, you know what you sounded like? I'm you terrified sound, to no, know now. You, no, what you sounded like was the narrator in our Dune audiobook. Oh, that's You've true. I do. Practicing. The Atre- I do the sound like her. I sound like the Princess Irulan. <laughs> that's what you sound like. Anyway, inside baseball uh, for the Porter household. <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about Red Rock West, guys. Red Rock West. Red Rock West. First thing that I like to see in this movie is. It's obviously about our hero, Nicolas Cage. So he plays Michael. Michael. And he is the first person that we see in this movie. In his car, pulled over on the side of the road, just... Uh, The first thing that we see is that he's in pain. Mm -hmm. He is in anguish. Maybe that's a little bit of a foreshadowing to his soul. I don't know. Just saying. Wow, wow. I I know. I'm going to go there, guys. You better get on board with this kind of talk. But here's the deal. You see something's wrong with his knee. There's there's something going on with it. And so we know already not everything is, is right with the world. What we do know that's right for the world, though, is Mr. Hunky Cage. That's getting all cleaned right. up by the side of the road. They gave us a few choice Washboard body, abs body shots. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, nice to see a return to Hunky Cage. Britt you're, a beautiful, <laughs> Britt, you're a beautiful American woman. All right. You know, we saw some Hunky Cage there in the 80s when he was a young buck doing some... Um, Valley Girl, some uh, birdie, I believe. Maybe even a little boy in blue he hunked up. So he, obviously, you know, they in, were making a choice in this movie. Yeah, now. here in Red Rock West. Red Rock West. <laughs> He's, uh, what is he doing? One-handed push-ups, topless? Oh, I yeah. mean, there's nothing wrong with that, ladies. Just, no, just You none. need to understand, listeners, that 1993 Cage had, you know, some appeal. I'm going to say... Let me clarify something. Some appeal. Women go topless. Men go shirtless. All right. Oh, he's shirtless. Okay. Thank you. Doing one-handed push-ups. Am I, am I crazy here, Lucas? No. no All right. You're thank right. you. Thank shirtless. You. Okay. Shirtless Nicolas Cage of the 90s. Not too shabby. That's Doing all I'm Doing a bunch of one-handed say. push-ups. It's how I start every morning. Um, In his cowboy boots? Absolutely. Yeah. Shirtless. I mean... Yeah. Absolutely. Shirtless. So, um, we, we soon find out that he's going to get a new job. 
Right. So he, I mean, there's a, like three or four minutes of him just getting ready, basically. But then he heads into town and his buddy who works on an oil crew in the middle of Wyoming is supposedly hooking him up with this job as a rigger. rigger. Yeah. And what I love about this opening scene is that there's no dialogue, but it really tells you a lot about the character. You can tell he's injured. You can tell he's hurting, but you can also tell he's very strong and he wants to impress. He puts on his nicest white shirt. You can tell he's, he slept in his car overnight, but he really wants to, to nail this job interview, which is, um, says a lot about the character Yeah, without any dialogue at all, which is pretty cool. The only thing that you do know at this point, I think, is he is from Texas. When he drives away, you do see his license plate. That's true. And, and th- so, that does come up later. Yeah. Right. He applies for this job or he's actually told that he has the job, you know, outright. Like, just show up and you've got this job. And then they ask him to fill out an application and, oh, it's a formality. Ultimately, he doesn't get the job, but for kind of an interesting reason. Mike, why don't you tell him about your leg? You'd have found out sooner or later. What? By then you'd have had the job. I want to be right. Shit, Mike. Hey, man, I'm really sorry about this. Don't worry about it, Jim. It's not your fault. So now what are you going to do? I don't know. Maybe I'll rob a bank. Hey, you need some money? That's okay. Look, let me spot you a couple bucks. Don't worry about me. I said I'd be all right. Okay. You stay in touch. Yeah, you too. Uh, it makes sense why he couldn't get the job. Like, they could do it for a day or something. But. Yeah. But usually those jobs are pretty strenuous for long periods of time. So they'd find out eventually, like you said. Michael was honest, basically, which is kind of the first sign of that character trait in him. Like, yeah. he's a good guy who tells the truth. And we see that here. It would have been really easy for him to lie, get this job, and at least get some money in his pocket. But instead of that, he tells the truth and knowing that, okay, I'm not going to get the job now. Yeah. It kind of felt like this was the opening line to the movie. It was his integrity, his character. And so it's interesting then to see how the movie develops after this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're definitely laying it on thick here at the beginning. Well, would, yeah, there's... I would say that's true. There's even another scene right after this one where here's another opportunity for the director to show us what kind of character Michael is when he's pulling up to go get gas. He pulls up to this middle-of-nowhere gas station in Wyoming. No one is there. The whole scene probably takes like three minutes, and like for two minutes, he's just like looking around to try to find someone. Honks his horn. He has no gas. He has no money. Well, he has five bucks. He goes into this gas station and he sees, while he's looking around for someone, he sees the cash box. And what is there, like 60 bucks in there? Yeah. Which wouldn't be that big of a deal. But if he just could, if he just filled up his gas tank right there and told that 60 bucks, he would be in a world better situation than he is right now. And it said he had $5. And when the guy asked him, how much gas do you want? Yeah, the guy eventually comes out or finds him. And uh, he says he wants five bucks Mm -hmm. and drives away hoping to get to the next town. And here's the deal so far. We have a very good sense already of what kind of cage performance this is going to be. He's not crazy. He's not over the top. He's not acting wacky. He's very subdued. The movie that this closely reminded me of was Joe, which is crazy because that came out um, two years ago. And this is really the most subdued on screen that I've seen Cage ever. Yeah. 
up to this point, at least in, in our filmography, I, I can't think of a, a more understated performance. Maybe Boy in Blue, but he was just dull in that movie. He wasn't, like, trying to be... Yeah, no, there's more going on with this character than Boy in Blue for sure. We just don't see the crazy but on any level at all. I mean, even as he's, like, getting ready and, you know, like, clearly has woken up in his car, that's just a guy who's sleepy. It's not, you know, a guy who's crazy or a guy who's hungover. It's, um... Even his response when he finds out from his buddy when he's driving away after the interview that he doesn't get the job, he's he's upset. But it, that's not a cage rage moment. We right. He well, does punch a steering wheel once. Okay, or twice. he does punch things. He kind he's of, just upset. He's just he's but not. It's, realistic. it's not wackadoo. Right. right, but you know what it shows us? It shows us that he's a real person too. He's not just a soulless automaton, if you will, right? Like, he has emotions, but he he really is trying to do the right thing. And it doesn't seem like it's coming from, like, this damaged past. It seems like he's just a good guy. Making just a it, guy. Trying to maybe, make it. Maybe a little rough around the edges, but a good guy who is honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Eventually, he makes it to Red Rock, Wyoming. As we see, the shot of the movie is of the sign that says, Welcome to Red Rock. You see this sign at least four or five times in the movie. The first time we see it, it kind of is this feeling of hope. Oh, I think good things are going to happen here. And as the movie progresses, every time you see that sign, I think the last time I saw it, I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Totally it happened. quickly Get goes downhill. Out of Red Rock. <laughs> Red Rock West. Yeah. Run. Um, yeah, and so, so it's really interesting, you know, when we see it the first time, it's bright and sunny and happy and cheery, and by the end, it's just, like, dark, and it's like a dark and stormy night. That means it's Red trouble. Rock. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and so, uh, very interesting use of that sign, very intentional by the directors, but I loved, I loved that. It shows that John Dahl, the director, is really thinking about how he's shooting the movie and the themes he wants to portray, and not hitting you over the head with these things, mm-hmm. but really subtly but intentionally getting his point across and I think it's I just think it's great yeah it's nice to see smart directing so he rolls into Red Rock and is told to look for this bar that might might, he might get work might get a work there and he sits down the owner of the bar looks out sees his Texas license plate and just kind of stares at him, <laughs> just like looks at him. Uh, it's kind of uncomfortable. So the bar owner is Wayne. It's JT Walsh in a great performance. Yes. Incredible performance, actually. He just stares him down. Cage looks up and Wayne starts just talking to him like they're supposed to know each other. I thought you were supposed to be here last Friday. I was beginning to think I'd have to find somebody else. You are here for the job, aren't you? You must be Wayne. Yes. And you're Lyle from Dallas, right? Right. Good. I just, uh, why don't you take your coffee and let's go back in the office. You're Lyle, right? And that's where things go south for our good friend, Michael. In case you're wondering, Lyle and Michael are not the same They're name. Dif- this, they are, they are different <laughs> names. There's the I sound. Yeah, and the ol. There's the ol at the end. But that's where the sim- that is So there's where... a few, actually, okay, there are a few similarities, but that's where they end. Yeah, yeah. Still not the same. Correct. When you write them down, especially. Does anyone else feel like this is where the movie really kicks in? Yeah, I do. I felt like this is the part where I was really hooked. What about it got you? I think it was Wayne, just the way he looks at Nick Cage or uh, Michael and the way he looks at that Texas license plate is is really, it grabs you. Yeah, there's like a sense of 
foreboding. Yeah, that's not tell, a happy like, stare down. This is, you can feel it getting real. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. This is the first time that we see this character lie. Our first opportunity to see him kind of fail a moral test. He is desperate and he wants to try to do something to have his fortunes change. And so he's going to pretend to be this Lyle guy. I bet he thinks it's just like... A small lie. Yeah. Yeah. Or or just like, hey, I want to be a bartender or hey, I want to be anything. I just want a job because because that's all that Wayne tells him. Hey, you hear about the job, right? And so, yes, of course I want a job and he wants any job he can get. And so that's really where the the plot kicks in. Yeah. Little does he know the job that he is now sort of on the hook for is a hit. I think the uh, best way to do this is to make it look like a uh, simple burglary. Just to go out to the house break in and uh, mess the place up a little, you know? Uh, Not too much. Just enough. And uh, and then when she uh, when she comes in, you uh, well, you know what to do. Who, um, is she? She's, uh, she's my wife. In the space of maybe 30 seconds to a minute, we get the full plot right there, crisp and clean. So now we have the story. And I, again, I attribute that to really good storytelling and really good directing. It seems like we've seen some movies recently that are very meandering and take forever to sort of get to their point. What is this Mm -hmm. story about? But here we've seen 10 minutes establishing one character, two minutes establishing another character with a way darker motivation. And now we have the story and now we can go. I think why we like this, this is what you guys said, is it's complicated but not convoluted at this point. And so it kind of... Wait, who said that? I think that was Brit. Oh, yeah. Well, that sounds like something smart and clever that I... Yeah, that's, some, uh, that's, that's not how I remember it, but go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, okay, maybe. <laughs> and here's the cool thing. I feel like a few years after this, they would have made this some non-linear narrative, and it would have like gone back and forth in time. Like Memento. Yeah, well, or like Pulp Fiction. It really tried to keep us guessing about what's what and who's on what side. This movie does not do that. It mm. it It charges forward with the plot, but it never lets us get ahead we never know anything that the characters don't know yeah right and so that does leave you so that does leave you guessing i mean the whole time we were like what could possibly happen next and how is this gonna what's gonna you know happen to all of these people how's it all gonna come together right but it builds the tension yeah without confusing you yeah so you can which is really awesome because a lot of the time the tension is built on a mystery or what's going on. And this is really just built on the action that's right in front of your face. With this movie, I never had that thought of trying to figure it out, you know, like trying to like, who's, who's really the bad guy or what's the twist going to be. There's not a ton of a twist. There's one big twist, but it's just a fun, entertaining time to watch the movie and just kind of lose yourself in it. It's very much like Nick Cage's performance in that way. Very straightforward, very solid and very entertaining. I think it's the fact that we have established that Michael is a central figure and a man of integrity who has put himself in a serious 
situation that he had no intention of getting into. So I think the question is, what's he going to do about it now? And that's what drives the story forward. There's not a MacGuffin. There's not a crazy... I'm going to rip my mask off and be somebody else. There's, it's just, what's this person going to do when he's in a situation he had no idea was coming for him? Mike lives by a code. And his code is, I'm going to tell the truth. I'm going to do the right thing, no matter what. And the one time we see him not do that, everything falls apart. And the rest of the movie, we see him trying to undo that Mm -hmm. one lie. You know, if you talk to him... Five minutes later, hey, do you wish you kind of told the truth? He would say, absolutely, get me out of here. I'll do anything to to make this go away. Michael has now been sort of given this contract to kill Wayne's wife, Suzanne. He's been given $5,000, which, let's face it, he needs. So he goes and scopes her out. We find out that she is cheating on her husband with, I think it's like a ranch hand. So I think initially we're thinking, okay, Wayne is out to get her because of this affair. Yeah, she's an adulteress. What but is my- we find that out because Michael is kind of spying on yeah, her. Yeah, he's right. spying on her. So we think maybe, like, maybe he's going there to Yeah, maybe kill he's her. Maybe he's really going to do... Well, because then she, we go to her house where she's gone in after a ride, and he's already in there sitting in the house. So we know that Wayne has given him access, but he's breaking and entering and just sitting in her house. You're married to a guy named Wayne, right? Well, I don't know how to tell you this, but uh, your husband, Wayne... Plans to have you murdered. This is a joke, right? I'm afraid not. Pay me to do it. Well, what are you gonna do? I don't know. I hate to see an innocent woman get hurt, but it's an awful lot of money. Fix you a drink. You seem to be taking this a lot better than I thought you would. Have you ever been married? What? What's your name? Lyle. Have you ever been married, Lyle? Well, it does strange things to people. Suppose I double his offer and you do something for me. What do you have in mind? Take care of Wayne. Right. So the her, by the way, that we're talking about is Laura Flynn Boyle, who plays Suzanne. Suzanne. Laura Flynn Boyle is, this is probably one of her first movie roles, I would guess. Mm -hmm. And I think she's... Pretty good. Of all the the four main actors, Hopper, Walsh, Cage, and Boyle, I would say she's probably the weakest for me, but she's not weak. She's maybe not the weakest, just the least engaging for me. She's kind of one note. Her character, though, in a sense, was built that way. I mean, she's she's very blatantly an alcoholic. Um, Oh, uh, like... The first scene... Alcoholic. (laughs) The first scene you see, she's, she's downing the whiskey, and that's kind of the whole progression... Throughout the whole movie. And even when you you understand more and more her relationship with her husband, and we'll get into that. But it's not, it's it's a kind of a flat role. You know, I have to say that there were times for me, as the story plays out, I wondered if she was a little bit crazy psychotic, kind of in the gone girl genre of wives. There were a few scenes where she did things with her eyes, and the dialogue was fuzzy enough that I thought... There could be something a little bit more devious going on beneath the surface. So I I will say that I don't know if that was good acting or just sort of accidental on her part. But there were a few moments that I thought, huh, she could like kill Michael in his sleep. 
at any point and just go on her merry way. Yeah, I felt the same, except I didn't really feel deviance. I felt just this unstableness, this craziness about her that was kind of lurking under the surface and it would kind of come out at times. But then she's like, well, I'll double his offer if you kill him instead. And so that's where I'm like, you're a little crazy. Mm-hmm. You little you, you little minx. You little cray cray. Or Flimboyle, what's uh, <laughs> what do you got going on yeah, there? Yeah, what are you all about there, Miss Suzanne? Between your ears. Right. <laughs> you know? I think unstable is a good way to describe Suzanne. But for here's me. the deal, right? Jackpot for Cage, yeah? Yeah, he just walked out with ten grand. Yeah. He should get well, he does. He's like, I want to get out of here. So he goes and fills up his gas tank, obviously, buys like $100 worth of Triscuits and Wheat Thins from the uh, from the convenience store, and a big hunk. And a big do hunk. Do you remember Big Hunk? They're like like eating a rock. Yeah, they do. They're <laughs> so, like so teeth-breaking leather. So good. Anyway, um, remember Mamba? Mm. Yeah, I never liked those. Also, it's like the, the teeth-breaking version of, of, uh, of Starburst. Yeah. Yeah. They weren't for me. More flavorful, though. I like them. Anyway, and so he buys all this, and you think, okay, well, he's going to get away with this. And he, I don't. And the think, movie will end 30 right. minutes in. And I don't, he doesn't seem super happy about it. Well, he, he's kind of satisfied. You know how he absolves his soul is that he writes a letter to the sheriff of the town. Yeah. Red Rock West. Explaining everything. Yeah. He's like, listen, Wayne and Suzanne are going to kill each other, and the sheriff should know, and don't let them hurt each other, and this is not a joke. When we saw that in the movie, I'm like, hey, that's pretty smart. I wouldn't have thought of that, but that's a pretty good idea. Yeah. Get out of there. So he drops his anonymous letter in the mail, has a full gas tank, has groceries, and it's- Life's looking up. Yeah. He's got $10,000, and he he gets in his car, and it's dark. It's night- and the weather's not good, but he's heading out of town anyway. So he's so close. He's so close. So he's driving in the. And here's the deal: we've all been in the situation. I have many times on I five heading north towards Seattle, where the <laughs> rain is just pouring, and the windshield wipers can't keep up. You can barely see. It's night. You you don't want to stop and pull over because you'd lose time because you're making really good time because no one else is out on the road. But it's just so stinking dangerous. And anytime I see that in a movie, I automatically freak out. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. I was I was uh, you, squeezing Brit's hand. You knew this was not going to end well. It's not going to end well. Squeeze right. So Michael is driving in those weather conditions and sees a car pulled over on the side of the road and a guy. Wave, trying to wave him down. It looks like he's just trying to wave him down for car trouble. But Michael doesn't see him fast enough and hits him full on with his car. Like goes up and over the car, lands on the pavement. Splat. And here's the next tragic moral choice that Mike has to make. He could just go and he's gone, right? I mean, we all agree. He could yeah. leave Red Rock West. No one would know it was him and he's free and clear. Yep. With money to burn. But he knows that would be wrong. I mean, is my take of this. And so he stashes the money in the glove box. He puts the gun in there, too. And he goes and yeah, he figures picks out up, what's wrong with this guy. He, well, he picks up this guy and then drives him to the hospital and carries him into the emergency room and says, I hit this guy with my car. So did any of you pick up on who this guy was before the movie told us? I assumed it was the wife's lover, the, the man she was having the affair with. Oh, okay. I did not pick up on that. 
right away. Yeah, I I had a, an inkling that it was him. I think the hair kind of yeah, that's is what I what, was. Maybe it's women's intuition. Yeah, with hair. Was it just the hair? Yeah, well, sort of. Well, either way, it it is that guy. It's it's uh, the cowboy that we saw entering the house. Ranch hand lover. Cage wants to go, get out of there, obviously, get back in his car and leave. But they they have some paperwork for him to fill out and they have some questions to ask. They send some deputies over just to interview, which is pretty normal. You know, things are sort of starting to heat up a little bit. There's like tension. Because there. we're tense. Like, we want, like, get out of there. Yeah, like, oh, we, yeah we're get, super tense as viewers. Get moving. And, you know, now, like, there's officers in the right. hospital lobby kind of eyeing mm-hmm. Cage. And he's just like... You know, no one really knows exactly what's going on. And, and the, the the plot quickly uh, thickens again because we find out that not only was this man hit by a car, but really the the big deal was that he was shot twice. Yeah. The surgeon comes out and and pulls out two um, bullets in a little bloody bag saying that yeah, this guy was shot twice. So now it's looking really bad for Michael. It's looking like there's more to his story that he's not sharing with the police and so they call the town sheriff over right. but the deputies sort of the deputies get it because they're like why would this guy they don't really suspect him and they want to let him go because why would this guy shoot him and then bring him in here but they've already called the sheriff before right, they exactly. sort of put that together and so mm-hmm. the sheriff is going to come and you know we th- we're think still thinking that Michael's going to get out of it but what happens this is the true Dun dun dun! Yeah, moment. this is this is like this is like first twist. Maybe there's two twists in the whole movie. Well, yeah, it's true, two twists. But the first twist, and that probably I didn't see coming. I don't know about you guys. No, I didn't. In see walks this. in the sheriff, and it's Wayne. Wayne. It's Wayne. It's Wayne. Oh, Wayne. It's and, Bar Wayne. And at it's this- such a great scene when they introduce him too, because his sheriff cap like tips up, and you see his face, and it's like oh. cold, hard. Ice face. Yeah, it's Wayne, it's man. Wayne. And I believe at this point, we are all like into this movie. Oh, yeah. It is. Yeah. We are. We all watch this together. And <laughs> there was an audible gasp, like slash, like, <laughs> no, from every single one of us yes. on the couch. And we're just like, oh, shit. Here we, here we <laughs> yeah. go. And like. Cage has, Michael has written this letter to Wayne about Wayne. And oh my gosh, you yeah. just like the wheels in your head just start spinning. Yeah. It's crazy. And it's, this, you said that bar scene was where you got sucked in, Lucas. For me, I was just like, okay, here's my chips. I am all in on this <laughs> yeah. movie. I yeah. want to see where this goes. Now, I mean, for one, the deputies have taken Michael's ID, so they know his name is Michael. They share that with the sheriff. So now the sheriff, Wayne, knows that Michael is not Lyle. So Sheriff Wayne takes Michael into his car. They're going to go have a little chitty chat or he's going to go book him or whatever he tells his deputies he's going to do. All right, kid. Start talking because you got about two minutes to tell me what the fuck is going on. I just thought you needed a stupid bartender or something. Don't fuck with me. I'm not. Okay. Who else knows about this? Nobody. I said don't fuck with me! I'm not. What about the guy in the hospital? What happened? I don't know anything about that. You know, you don't have to worry about me. I'm not going to say anything to anyone. What about the money? It's in my car, in the glove compartment. So what do you think? Why don't you just drop me off? And we'll both forget about the whole damn thing. 
So Wayne like pulls off the main road in the middle of nowhere with Michael and like starts yelling at him and is I think he's gonna try to set up this thing to look like an escape attempt so we can kill him. Right, he gives Michael the, gives the Michael key to the, the, um, to the, to the handcuffs. handcuffs exactly. Yeah, which I didn't totally understand at the time why I he think, would have done that. But I think that. they both understood it. Like, okay, this is, I'm going to let you get uncuffed and then it's on. Yeah. And that's yeah. what happens. Yeah. You can really tell that Cage or Michael knows what's coming. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He is a man. And it's who- awesome. Is this actually a great, super understated action scene? Michael uncuffs and like kicks the sheriff in the face and is really hurting him. Like laying but- on the ground trying to get away. And right. then the sheriff drops his gun and he pay- Michael picks it up and tears off through the woods. And it's this really cool, well done, small scale chase scene. You know what this reminded me of a little bit was The Fugitive with Ooh, uh, Harrison yes. Ford and Tommy Lee Jones. Great movie, but kind of that like one-on-one, mano-a-mano way of looking at this chase. It's really well done. They're shooting at each other. Michael gets a gun. And this is also the first time that we're reminded, hey, by the way, Michael has this knee injury and he's he's hobbled. Yeah. I mean, he's mm-hmm. being chased through the woods and it could legitimately end any time for Michael because he's not running that fast. I think they get to the edge of the woods and there's like a cliff or something. Michael like rolls all the way down and into the middle of another main drag, like main highway, because he's almost hit by a car. Like right. He rolls into traffic, basically. Wayne has him in his sights. He's got a rifle with a scope. He's about to kill him. And a car pulls up and almost hits Michael. Yeah. In the face, but stops, what, an inch short? Yeah, mm-hmm. basically. What the fuck are you doing? My car broke down. Where? I don't see a car. It's just over that ridge. Over that ridge, huh? Well, you're one lucky son of a bitch, aren't you? Huh? If I hadn't had my brakes just done, I'd be picking your brains out of my radiator. Fuck. Listen, I hate to ask you this, but do you think you could give me a ride? No, I don't know. You aren't dangerous, are you? No. I just... I just need a ride. You can drive me off at the nearest gas station. Okay, cowboy, you got yourself a ride. Well, get in. And now, who are we introduced to, guys? We're introduced to Lyle. Lyle. Lyle's great. Love Lyle might be my favorite character in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, his outfit alone... Kind of. Oh, I know. It's, He's it's, like rocking a Johnny Cash situation. Yeah, I, that's exactly what I thought when I first saw him. I, so, uh, so Johnny one, Cash. Yeah, exactly. So one thing that I um, that I listened to the director's commentary, and apparently they brought in every sort of outfit for Dennis Hopper to pick his own wardrobe, and he went right to the, like the cheesy western. Yes, black it's so yeah. fantastic. It's, it really is, and, and like his works. hair is all like quaffed back yes. and slicked back, and it's just like. Michael drives a white car, and Lyle drives a black car with a black shirt. Ooh, like very look at that! Very famous Western trope, right? Like a yes. white hats, black hats kind of yes, thing. Totally, and I totally missed it the first time that I saw this movie. But it, they're they're. 
It's what I love about the direction of this movie. It's so smart. Like, yeah. it, this is not a throwaway movie where stuff doesn't matter. There are little tiny things that are subtle. They do not hit you over the head. This is not the movie that says, we're going to spoon feed you all of this information, try to keep up. It it just is. It just kind of evenly and, and quickly walks along its plot and you love every minute of it. And it's filled with these subtle little things that you don't necessarily pick up on right away, but in retrospect, it's there. And what a well-cut and well-directed movie. Yeah. It's super entertaining. It's really well-paced. And you can tell this was a labor of love for the people that made it. All right. You're getting ahead of yourself there, Porter. No, I'm just saying that I really like the direction. (laughs) Anyway, Lyle picks up Michael, like sees him on the road, just says, hey, I want to be a good citizen. And picks him up and well, says, Well, Michael hey. asks for a ride, right? Oh, does yeah. he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does. Oh, he does. Okay. So, Lyle picks him up but and just says, just drop me off at the nearest town. I'm trying to, you know, move along, get along. And we're far enough out of town that you think, okay, well, he's going to be in the next yeah. town. He'll, he'll be okay. Where does Lyle take him? Well, we- Red Rock West. Yeah, back to Red Rock. Where? One more time, Haley? Red Rock West. And we see the sign. And when we see that sign, I think this was where we were like, oh, man. Oh, no. <laughs> Michael. freaking place again. Yeah, he just can't get Wayne away. Wayne sees all this happening and he's just like, okay, well, now I'm screwed. Yeah. But before he drives away, we see that Texas license plate. And I think it dawned on all of us at that point, if we didn't pick it up before, Okay, that's Lyle. Yeah. yeah. Lyle, I don't think, introduces himself to no, you Michael. Don't know, you don't know his we name. We just see that he's a guy that almost hits him and then takes him. But then we see the Texas plate and we go, okay, now we know who he is. Before we saw the Texas license plate, I was hoping that this guy could be an ally for Michael. Because I feel like he really needed one. Or that's what I was, I was really hoping for. Yeah, well, he seems like an affable guy. Yeah, Yeah, very friendly. Even in this conversation in the car. Oh, yeah, they totally have the connection about being in the Marines. Yeah, they're both in the Marines. That's where we figure out, or that's where we find out that Michael was in the Marines. He was actually in Lebanon, and that's where he got injured. And it was this famous battle that Lyle had heard about. And so they're really actually connecting there. And it seems like there's a, a, a minute where there's a genuine sense of camaraderie. And it feels good because really no one's been on Michael's side for a long time. It's so much so that they get back into town and where do they pull up? Right at the Red Rock Bar where the last place that Michael wants to be. And Lyle insists, insists, insists that uh, Mike comes in for a drink. Let me buy you beer and then I'll help you get your car. That's okay. Yeah, you've you've been awful kind. You've done enough already. No, I said I'd help you get your car. Really, it's okay. You don't want to drink with me? I'm not good enough to buy you a beer? No, 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 it's not that. I, I just... Well, then what the fuck's your problem? Huh? Us Marines, we got to stick together. Come on! That's it. <laughs> That's more like it. Michael keeps looking like he wants to throw up in this scene, and I love it. (laughs) So uncomfortable. Yeah. So uncomfortable. And, like, things are starting to get a little edgy with Lyle. Like, for a while, it's just affable that Michael's turning him down. And then at some point, Lyle is like, you don't want to have a drink with me? You think you're you're too good for me? And you're just like, where is this going to go 
you know. Yeah. It's, the last place it, in the it, world. It, See, what's great about this movie is that we really, really want Michael to win. And he doesn't want to go into that bar. And we, as an audience, just as much don't want him to go into that bar. It puts us... We really feel what he's feeling. And I haven't felt empathy for a Cage character to this degree for a long, long time. Yeah. It's it's fun. It's fun to care this much about what happens to Michael. And it's there's a lot of scenes of just him thinking, a lot of pensive looks. But they're not filler. They're genuine moments where the audience can reflect with Michael. Like, what? It, how am I going to get myself out of this? What is the thing to do? And... I I enjoy those. They're they're good little pauses in between crazy scenes. You are just going. This is tough. The directors talked about what it was like to direct Nicolas Cage in this movie, and they found that anytime they would give him a note, like in one scene, he chuckled a little bit, and they said, "Hey, that works pretty well. You should." do that again next time we, we do a take. And then he amped it up the next take. And then he amped it up again and again. And by the, the last shot they did of it, he was like cackling like a wild man. And so they quickly learned, okay, we just need to tell him to stand there, be quiet, and don't say anything. And that was really the direction that they gave him throughout this entire movie. And it shows. They said, think... Clint Eastwood in the Man with No Name series. Yes. Think, think Steve McQueen, the silent, brooding. Um, you've got all this emotion, but it's under the surface, and you don't have to show it through overacting. I think we're seeing again and again and again directors who have a clear idea of how to use Nicolas Cage get these incredible performances out of him. Yeah. I think even going back to the genre of him being the everyman cage you feel that because there's this coolness to him and maybe it's just it's not expressionate but he's relatable and that's why you care but even even i don't know it's just good it's just good it's just it good so they go in the bar yeah michael and lyle go in order drinks michael excuses himself to the bathroom to sort of Try and assess what he's going to do and to also punch the air and shoot a punch a light bulb out of a socket. Yeah, punch a light bulb. Punch a light bulb. Okay, so there's some raging of the cage. Well, it's very minor. It's very minor. It's a fun a, size. A, a dusting. And oh. I think at some point, Michael must figure out who Lyle is. It could be when he sees Lyle and Wayne talking, that that's when he sort of connects it. Well, no, no. Lyle says at the bar, he's like, I was supposed to be here last Friday. Can I talk with Wayne? Oh, that's I have right. some business. Doesn't yeah. he even say Lyle is here to talk with him? And is that when Michael yeah, excuses exactly. himself to the bathroom so or something the like bathroom. that? <laughs> so Lyle tells him not to piss on the seat. It's bad luck. Yeah, something. Which makes sure. a lot of sense. So anyway, now there's like kind of another tense escape scene where Wayne has connected with Lyle, is probably telling him who Michael is. Michael knows who Lyle is, right? Everyone knows who everyone is, and now Wayne and Lyle are out to kill Michael. Michael Obviously. Michael gets on the roof, and it's super tense. They're looking everywhere around this building. He couldn't have gotten far, and Michael's on the roof, kind of watching all the action transpire around him, and you're you're on the edge of your seat. What's gonna happen? So he grabs this big two by four and ends up using it like a balance beam. He puts one end on the building and the other on the top of this huge semi that's parked next door and like has to tightrope across just to get off the building so that he can like get onto the top of the truck because the truck driver is pulling away. And it's this crazy getaway scene that is like could go south at any moment, basically. Was anyone else freaking out? Yes. 
Well, I was because I know that a two by four cannot carry the weight of a full grown man. <laughs> so what? Uh, yeah, maybe it was a three by four. Those don't exist. <laughs> yeah, it's an old growth two by four. Yeah, there exactly. we go, old growth. But there's shots of him walking across, like, I don't know, 10 feet. Yeah. And no one sees him. In cowboy boots with a bum leg, and no one looks up and no one sees him. And if anyone does, then it's going to go so like badly. He's dead, basically. But he makes it. Yeah. So again, we see him leaving town on the top of this semi, and we think, okay, well, finally he's getting away. And then he, had, he had gotten, again, he had gotten he away. He had gotten away. Right. If he had just laid on top of the semi for another 50 miles, he would have been fine. But what did he have to do? <laughs> but, he, but he couldn't do that. He couldn't lay on top of the semi. Because he knew, now that Lyle's in town, that Suzanne is a goner. Oh, that's, that's true. Why, that's why he did his, it. His integrity keeps pulling him back into town. Honestly, that, that's, that's exactly what's doing it. He is the cause of a lot of this stuff, and so he's got to make it right. He cannot let an innocent woman, in his mind, an innocent woman, die. And there's this great interplay. Like, we see his little hand dangling down trying to get the truck driver to stop. <laughs> Finally does. And it's Dwight Yoakam. And he's great. Yeah. <laughs> that tickle? Because it won't if I pull the trigger. What the hell are you doing on my truck? Sorry, boss. I didn't mean to scare you. Hey! I look scared to you? What the hell are you doing on my truck? Well, I was just trying to ditch my old lady. You were what? Yeah, she caught me in the barn. I wasn't supposed to be there. She started sprouting horns and shit. Bullshit. Bullshit. Look at that uncontrolled response to bullshit. I hate when that happens. Yeah, I don't like it either, but you know, I just had to get the hell out of there. So you come out and climbed up on my truck? Yeah. That's kind of stupid, isn't it? Yeah, it is, but you've never met my wife. <laughs> Spooky. Yeah? <laughs> yeah? You're lying to me. Get off my truck. Come on, get off the truck. Oh, man. I'm headed north if you want to ride. Yeah, he, so good. it's a good little sleeper performance, I think. He's really good. I don't know if any of you have seen Sling Blade. He is awesome in that. It's like the abusive father. <laughs> I mean, not that abusive fathers are awesome, but <laughs> his performance is great. Even this little this little convo between the two of them is hilarious because Cage is trying to tell this whole lie and the truck driver just won't have it. It's just like, I know you're bluffing. I know you're lying. And it's just great. But he doesn't kill him. No, he doesn't kill him, but you just see he can't get away with lying ever. It's right? hilarious. Like, like he's a bad. That's really interesting. I didn't pick up on that. Like, hey, you're a bad liar. What's going on? <laughs> and then uh, Cage basically, again, just shuts up and lets him kind of fill in the gaps. He's like, oh, I got to go over here. He lets Dwight Yoakam's character fill in all the gaps. Like, hey, I need to stop over here at this ranch. And Dwight Yoakam's like, well, is she pretty? You know, like. Cage is like, yeah, that's actually a really good lie. Yeah, and doesn't lie because like, yeah, she is pretty because he's going to see Suzanne to try to head head off this murder. His little altercation, if that's what you want to call it, with Dwight Yoakam, truck driver of America, <laughs> ends well for him. He doesn't die. He makes it back to Suzanne's house where she's packing, I think, presumably to leave. And she's also drunk as hell. Yes. She's always drunk. She's always drinking. So drunk. Drunk always or drinking. with a bottle of alcohol. Yeah. kind of makes me want a little bit right now. Anyway. So he sort of fills her in on, hey, the real Lyle's in town, and he's headed this way right now, and we got to figure this out, and 
I'm not here to kill you, blah, blah, blah. So she quickly trusts him. Like, she, she can tell he's telling the truth. She goes and hides. Michael also hangs out hiding. Lyle enters the house, presumably to kill her. She's hiding on the balcony. Michael hits Lyle over the head with like a cowboy statue and knocks him out. Ties him up while he's still knocked out. Like, it's a it's a quick little scene that just sort of moves us from this point of the story to the next. But really well done, for sure. It's nice to see one of Michael's plans work, too. So, um, and it's nice to see Lyle not kill an innocent woman. And yeah. so, um, <laughs> Michael leaves. He sabotages Lyle's car so he can't get away. And again, we think, okay, I think things are going to turn around. Well, now. Suzanne comes with them and they get in this Jeep. Of course, the, the gas tank is empty. Yeah, it doesn't have any gas. So they're like barely out of town. Well, maybe they're 30 miles out of town. Well, they say the next town is 40 miles and they have, they're on E, but somehow they make it. So somehow whatever. they make it 40 miles on an old rundown Jeep. 40 miles on an old Jeep is not very believable. No more than 37 miles you could make it probably. Yeah, yeah. Maybe like five. <laughs> like literally they were on E, but they make it whatever. It's yeah. it's a movie. They make it to whatever next small tiny town, fill up with gas. And what does she tell us? Hold on, hold on. They're out of town. They are gone from Red Rock. Red Rock is 50 miles behind us right. at this point. Right. Great. We are out. We can live the rest of our lives. Yes. Let's go. What does she say? Instead, she wants to go get a drink. Because she's thirsty. Because she hasn't had any drinks. She's been drinking like a fish. The all... entire day. Yeah. She grabs his wallet, takes 40 bucks out, and heads to the bar. You know, Michael, I realize you didn't have to come back for me. You could have just left. But you didn't. Did you? Just thinking pretty awful, huh? Why is that? I did ask you to take care of Wayne. Right. Well, under the circumstances, I can't say as I blame you. You're a nice guy, aren't you, Michael? I try to be. God, I'd love tequila. Maybe that's what we should do. Go to Mexico. Ever been there? Yeah. Yeah, what's it like? Hot. Bitch, yeah. right? No, I was angry. I was like, leave her. Leave her. Yeah, yeah. Because he's free and clear again. And here I'm not quite sure. Why does he follow her back to the bar? You know, this is where mm -hmm, I think we mm -hmm. see a couple of decisions all in a row that don't really add up with his character at all. And the only way that I can justify it is to say, dude's a man. Yep. Like, yeah. I, I really, I mean, like, we can talk about him as they progress, but there are probably three decisions that he makes that don't line up with his, with what his character has been showing his us. his own internal moral compass. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, not at all. And I'm thinking, are you thinking with something other than your head? That has to be the only explanation that I can You know what I with. think it is? Like, he's a normal guy. He is not really... He doesn't seem like a rough around the edges. He doesn't seem like a ladies' man. He's but not, he's not a, lady a saint. Killer. He's not a saint, no. and maybe that's what this is trying to show us. Yeah. But I think what we've seen is that he's smart and he's discerning, and it's just so obvious that she is bad news. So it's it's hard to believe that he would so easily go along with her. Well, Ex but he except for but he does though. Well, here's the deal. Okay, as a man, I'm not saying Laura Flynn Boyle. In, you know, in specific, but generally speaking, 
We do, especially if you're like Lucas and I, who are super good looking, and but but yeah, not yeah, but yeah. not like late. We're not Lotharios. We don't go out there and just bed everything that on two legs. <laughs> we we're discerning, and maybe in high school we didn't date a lot. And I, I feel like that's Michael's story as well. You know, he went from homeless, living in his car, trying to get any job he could, to being on an adventure with a beautiful woman who wants to be around him and is kind of coming on to him. There's something that does something to you as a man that you're like, I could just go off on my own and be broke again. But there's this feels nice to be needed and wanted. I, I mean, I was just frustrated, to be fair, because instead of you can go to the bar, that's fine. But then at least drive to the next town and stay in a hotel there. And don't don't just stay so close to Red Rock. And I think he just kept getting sucked back. Yeah. It was just so frustrating. Well, so bad decision one, he follows her to the bar. And bad decision two, they check into the comfort inn next door. Yeah. And I'm, yeah, this Michael, is where, this is, yeah, Michael wants to get out of town, right? Yeah, that's not what Suzanne wants She to wants do. the comfort in. Yeah. Experience. And so uh-huh. he says, okay. <laughs> okay, right. I'll go over the comfort in with you. And he even, I mean, like, the next scene is, like, him getting ice. He doesn't even look excited. Like, he still looks resigned to this decision that he's uh, made. We are. Well, and it comes out. She's like, why aren't yeah. you into me? Why aren't you, why haven't you jumped my bones already? He's like... I don't normally make a practice of sleeping with married women. Again, you know. This integrity, moral compasses firing, and yet he still, I mean, he still does it, right? She's like, let's, I don't make a practice of it, but I'm still going to do it. So. You don't really, does it seem out of character? It, this is where, it does and it doesn't. I feel like we've seen him attempt to to uphold the sense of integrity and here he's not really doing it, but I kind of want to just chalk it up to he's got a half naked woman in a hotel room. You know what it is? And you know why I think it's really great the way it plays out is because it is against his character and his hesitance and his kind of uncomfortable way. He's not into it. He's not this ladies man who's just like leading the charge. He is not a victim, but he is. It's happening to him, and he's letting it happen, but he's hesitant. He knows that this isn't right, and he's just going to let it happen. Hmm. Yeah. He didn't push it forward. No. Kind of like his first mistake. Exactly. Huh. Very uh, very insightful. So you're saying that his first mistake, he just... He could have told the bartender right away that... No, I'm not, I'm not that guy. Yeah, yeah, that he wasn't the guy he was looking for. Uh, there's almost a passiveness then... It's not like he's meaning to walk in and lie, but that might be his flawed character. Oh, I like that. So we get a sex scene, sort of, right? Yeah, we get no, a, a we get scene. a we get a fade to black scene. No, well, I mean, there is Laura, poor Laura Flynn Boyle. I know she kisses from Cage's mouth all the way down, <laughs> down the down the hairy trail of tears. That is a woolly woolly man. <laughs> he Cage, is a woolly Cage man. Is a, is a hairy. I bet her lips he's really a, chapped. He's after a tem- that. <laughs> he's a timber wolf. But you know what? She goes for it. Yeah. God bless her. <laughs> so you know what follows is like a post bedroom scene. I think it feels like they stay there longer than a day, but maybe they don't. I, I feel think like it's just. I think it's the next morning. Yeah. They something. start talking about how great Mexico is. Yeah. So they've sort of they concoct this plan to go to Mexico. Um, but at some point during this 
post-coital lovers conversation about Mexico, there's uh, a really... In the business, we call that pillow talk. Yeah, sure. The pillow talk is, <laughs> we don't have any money to go to Mexico. How are we going to live? And then it kind of comes out that Wayne has... Well, that Suzanne has all of this money that she inherited from her dead parents a few years ago. And Wayne keeps it in a safe at the bar in his office and back in Red Rock, back in Red Rock. And she is going to she she they can just sneak in real quick first thing in the morning and get the money and then be gone, because otherwise, how are they going to live in Mexico? They're not can't even get there. And so, you know, she's trying to be all cool, calm and collected, but she can't even get the safe open. Well, so this is so this is so this is what I think is bad decision. Number three is he goes back like. Follows her to the bar, follows her to the hotel room, follows her back to Red Rock. And I'm just like, why? You know, like, you, what is, why are you... You were gone. You were gone. You were gone. You don't, I'm sure you'd take the money, but you don't, you're not all of a sudden turned crazy, crazy thief who's just gonna rob this guy and be out of here, right? But he's not, he's not a thief. It's her money and in his eyes, it's her money. Right, and here's the thing. Again, he, this life... Is something that's so much more inviting and interesting and exciting than what he was doing before. This is different. At least something is happening. And there's this woman who who he could see himself uh, having a good time with. And so he wants to be with her. He wants her to win. So he has made a conscious choice to help her win. All right. Well. He wants to be with her. For about, wants, for, about, for about 30 seconds until yeah. Wayne shows up. Yeah. So they do make it back to Red Rock. And to Wayne's office, and they get the safe open. There's not as much money there as she anticipated. So now she's kind of wondering what's happened to it all. And on top of that, now Wayne is coming to the office. They see his car pull yeah, up. Good, good timing, Wayne. So they hide in the closet while he gets ready to go into his office. And one thing that we didn't mention is that prior to this, there was a scene where Wayne and Lyle had a conversation where Lyle says, Hey, they escaped. And you're going to have to double down, basically, if you want me to, if you expect me to chase them and find them to kill them. Right. You got to pay right? me more money. You got to pay me more. So Wayne and Lyle agree to meet at Wayne's office first thing in the morning to get more money. So that's why Wayne's there. But before Lyle can show up, the deputies show up. Right. And it's cool because we see all this action from Michael's point of view in the closet, which yeah. is really cool. We're still not any further ahead of the characters than than they are in terms of what you know about the story. They're almost discovered, but there's a knock at the door. We think it's going to be Lyle, but it's Wayne's deputies. Morning, fellas. What are you boys doing? I got a call from the hospital this morning. One of the nurses was going through Kurt's clothing. She found this. How's he doing? He's in critical condition, but the doctor says he's going to make it. Talk to him? No. He's under heavy sedation. I called the FBI. They're on their way. $1.9 million. Gotta hand it to you, Wayne, or should I call you Kevin? It's a hell of a lot of cash to walk away with. Russ, you got that letter? Uh Uh-huh. Came in the mail this morning. This is not a joke. (laughs) This is a joke. What's going on? I don't know. Why don't you tell me? Did you pay that guy from Texas to murder Suzanne? (sighs) This is ridiculous. 
What about Kurt? Was he trying to blackmail you? What? Is that why you shot him? Did you guys come over here to arrest me? Kind of looks that way, Wayne. Well then, go ahead, arrest me. I have nothing more to say until I talk to my lawyer. Okay, Wayne. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Wayne and Suzanne are not Wayne and Suzanne. Right. I can't remember their... Real names. Real names. But they are wanted for, I think... Embezzlement. Embezzlement. He was an accountant. Yeah. And he stole money from a, from his, a mine or a... Yeah. His a com- a the company yeah. he worked for. Exactly. And so it turns out that these guys are not who they say they are at all. Twist number two. Right. Mm-hmm. They are this couple on the lam. And I love this shot so much because Michael is realizing all this in the closet n- next to this woman that he really wanted to be with a minute ago. And now there is no one else he would rather be farther away from than <laughs> Suzanne. He gives her this look of disgust, looks at the wanted poster. Well, the sheriff, that Wayne, gets taken away by the deputy. Exactly. So they take him to prison or to jail. They exit the They closet. exit the office. Mm-hmm. So then Michael and Suzanne can come out of the can come out of the closet. It's Kevin and Ann McCord are their names. Right. Yeah. And so So now he's like, what the hell? And we <laughs> And this clues us into kind of some of that deviousness and the kind of that craziness behind her eyes. She's been playing every side of this game the entire time. lying the entire time. Exactly. Now, she's a good liar. So now Suzanne sort of starts to come clean with Michael, and she tells him that, yes, Wayne worked for this, I think you said, steel mill, and walked with all this money, and yeah, we're not really who we say we are, and I thought it was all here in the safe, but Wayne must have moved it. And help so, me find this money. Help me find it. And, and, they, and I think it's like $500,000, So, which I have to say kind of cracked me up because... Now, I mean, it's not nothing, but it's not the wow factor of, you know, he embezzled $10 million and there's $10 million hidden somewhere and help me find $10 million. It's like not even a million dollars that we're going to go try and find possibly to risk our lives for. He is is done risking his life for her. Yeah, he's all done. Well, talking about the... The value of money thing. I thought it was amazing that that you'd only offer ten thousand dollars to kill somebody. Yeah, I'd I'd kill you for less, Lucas. <laughs> Haley okay. Haley offered me. Uh, oh, sh- is Nate, this true? Twelve fifty last idea. week, and I pondered it. I said no because we're friends. Well, I'll double that. <laughs> $25. This makes paying That's rent really tricky. That's funny because I've been guys. I've been looking for that that new Lego set. So, going to need more than that. Craigslist. Blood Legos. We'll talk we'll talk after <laughs> Blood uh, Legos. the recording. 9:30 arrives and everyone has forgotten about Lyle. I even forgot about Lyle, but who walks in the door but Lyle? Oh, well, hey buddy. Well, Michael is walking out. Isn't he open the door to Lee exit? He's like, "Nope, not going to help you find your money, Suzanne." You crazy whore. Yeah, and he exits to Lyle's fist. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> little, little payback for the, the cowboy statue fiasco. And so <laughs> Michael is, what, unconscious on the floor for a couple hours, I think. I think so. Or for a while. And it's, I don't know about you guys, I love seeing Lyle again. Now that we, like, know who he is, he shows up, and you're like, okay, now we're going to get exciting. He actually plays 
kind of the Nicolas Cage role, kind of the unhinged, crazy, you don't know what he's going to say or yes. do thing. And he's funny. So this movie has been not really that funny so far. But when he comes on the scene, he's also a stupid drunk. And he says stuff that's hilarious. Yeah, I like him too. Afternoon, Mike. Did you have a nice nap? <laughs> Did you know that these two were a couple of fucking crooks? Yeah. Now, Susie here says that Wayne was a bookkeeper in a steel mill in Illinois, and he figured out how to walk out of that plant with $2 million. And she says that there's half a million laying around somewhere, but that Wayner is the only one that knows where it is. Now, is that true? <clears throat> That's what she told me. Well... If that's the case, why don't we all just go pay Wayne her little visit and see if Susie's story checks out, okay? But he's in jail. Not for long, sweetie pie. Come on, get up. Lyle knows that he needs to get to Wayne because Wayne knows where all that $500,000 is. So, good idea. Small town. What's the biggest deal that ever happens in a small town? Well, there's a fire. And all the, everyone in the town is like a volunteer, you know, fire marshal or whatever. And so Lyle sets this fire in this old abandoned house outside of town and, uh, you know, pours whiskey everywhere. He'd take a nip for himself every once in a while, which is pretty funny. And then sets this fire and pretty soon it comes across the wires and everyone leaves the jail where Wayne is being kept and the game is now afoot. Right, and he, Lyle has Michael and Suzanne tied up in the back of his car as well. So he's going to get the whole gang together to go dig up this money. Fire's going, deputies are getting alerts, they're sending out firefighters. They, There's only one deputy left. They leave the, a deputy behind, right, exactly. which is really too bad. Because hmm. he's a nice guy, he's a nice kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what happens? Well, Lyle waits till he gets off the phone, looks him straight in the eye, and then... Shoots him. Straight in the head. Can I help you? Jesus, no! Mmm. It's turkey. One of my favorites. I understand you're in possession of over half a million dollars. Is that right? Now, you can stay here and go back to Illinois, or I can get you out of here right now in exchange for half of that money. Now, what's it going to be where? Pretty shocking. You know, I find it interesting, too. This is the only time we see gratuitous violence mm. to this point in the film. There's been a lot of near misses, and there's a lot of tense moments, but Lyle just out-and-out out kills one of the more innocent people that we see in this movie just in cold blood. Um, and I think that that puts a nice little cap on sort of the lengths to which this character will go. You know what puts a cap on it for me is that Lyle, I don't know, this is probably horrible, my sense of humor, Lyle picks up the sandwich of the deputy he just murdered in cold blood and starts eating it and he's like, mmm, turkey, my favorite. Yeah, like, <laughs> is that Okay, am, is... I, am I a horrible person? That's no. funny, right? Well, at that point, he turns into a crazy psychopath that isn't as lovable as he was before. Right, I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying he's lovable, I'm just saying he's hilarious. <laughs> 
Anyway. Lyle and Wayne have a little tete-a-tete, little chatty chat about this money. And, you know, everyone's Wayne is sort of clued into the fact that everybody knows who he really is and who Suzanne really is. And Lyle is, is his only ticket out of jail. So he goes with him, kind of against his will, but sort of in cooperation with... Because it's the only way he's going to get out of things. Exactly. So now we come to another one of the great, small but effective action scenes. So they're in Lyle's car, and a train is coming, and they need to beat this train across the track so they can, you know, get away. And they're not going to make it. They get right up to the train, and Michael, who's driving, takes a hard right and basically paces the train on the shoulder of the road, like bumping and going, and it's super fast and super uh, exciting. You don't know what's going to happen. Finally kind of gets ahead of him right at the next train crossing and darts in front, and they barely make it. They can't catch some air. I would like to say they catch air. They do. And they're like <laughs> up at like a 30-degree angle, like driving on the side of the road. And you're like, what is, what is going to happen here? And Lyle's laughing the entire time, and uh, it's it's great it's pulse pounding it's exciting it's there's no explosions there's no michael bay transformers but i was more excited in this little action scene than in anything i've seen in recent memory i guess except for uh fury road uh uh, mad max was pretty fun but there's a kind of a mad maxi anarchist kind of feel to this part of the movie anyway what i found really interesting is that michael like nicholas cage I, i just keep waiting for him to cage it up he doesn't. Like, he plays that whole scene restrained. Mm-hmm. Don't you expect him to kind of lose it a little bit when he is... Because he's the one driving. Michael's the one driving Lyle's car. He's the one pulling this crazy stunt. Don't you kind of expect him to, like, scream or do crazy eyes or say something? Yeah, I mean, the only like, crazy thing we we heard him, the only cage rage I think we saw was the uh, F Mexico line. Yeah, which oh, is yeah. earlier in the movie. Yeah. I just, you know, he just ne- narrowly cheated death and all of them could have died. And he just, he literally says nothing did during anyone, that. Did I found that see, fascinating. Um, anyone see Drive? Yes. Ooh. Does anyone get a vibe of the driver a little bit Slow. in uh, this character? Definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very cool, calm, collected, internalizing his emotions. Just saying. Staring into the rearview mirror. I, what I'm saying is that Ryan Gosling is channeling Nicholas <laughs> in this obviously. Uh, movie. Obviously. Who is yeah. channeling Clint Eastwood? So the deputies come back. They're scrambling. I, I love it. They put this um, receptionist basically in charge of the uh, CB radio for all the cops to communicate on. There's obviously still the dead body. Like yeah. A foot, <laughs> it's like it's her. like behind her and she <laughs> like looks at funny. it. It's just laying on the yeah, ground. It's and, funny, right? Oh, totally. Like, 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 clean it, like put a sheet over him or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she's like, which button do I push? Do I push this button? Do I push <laughs> button? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The one button. The Don't one push anything else. Oh, yeah, Connie. So we get an extended scene of um, these four in this car driving wherever they need to drive to to find this money. There's some some interesting interactions there. Nice driving, Mike. Huh? Way to go. Feels good, don't it? Hmm? That old V8 just purrs like a cat. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, how's it feel? Huh? Happy couple back together again. You got enough leg room, do you? Where's the money, Wayne? I just want to ask you one thing. How did you ever get to be sheriff? I was elected. No shit, you were elected? Well, how did you rig that? It wasn't hard. He bought every voter in the county a drink. 
No shit. Damn. Maybe I ought to do that, you know? You want a drink? No, thanks. Scotch ain't good enough? Oh, I knew a guy like you once. Thought he was better than everybody else. That's it, ain't it, Mike? Hmm? You think you're better than me, don't you? Why don't you just blow me? Oh, oh you think you're real hot shit, don't you, Mike? Huh? We having a good time yet? So it turns out that Wayne, his not Wayne's not Wayne anymore. Kevin hid the money in a graveyard, and it's it's a really cool scene. It's really well lit. The headlights of the car are kind of like illuminating everything. They're having to be really quiet so they don't draw attention to anyone. It's all four of them still trying to play, and it's so tense because each one of them has their own motivations right now. Michael's digging the digging the the money out, but you know when that money comes out, like what's gonna happen? Who's gonna who's gonna get it? And that tension is just, that's been there the entire movie is building and building and building. Yeah. And you know, you see Suzanne with this tiny pocket knife trying to free herself where hands are tied behind her back. Wayne is supposedly kind of going along with crazy Lyle, but you know that he's got an angle somehow. Yeah, so you're just kind of waiting for the climax to hit. And it is. It's really tense and it's super fun. They find the box, which I wasn't sure if it was actually going to be there or not, but it is. And they get it up. At this point, Wayne, I'm just going to call him Wayne. Wayne is opening the box, but he makes a last minute deal with Lyle. He only agrees to do so if Lyle puts his gun down. Exactly. He says something like... If we're partners, we're partners. We're partners now. So if we're partners, you know, partners have to be equal and you have a gun and I don't. What was the deal that they made again? Like they would split, they would split the money. What incentive did Lyle have to take that? There's something there. Oh, because... Oh, the box had a combination on it. Right, but also, so, like, no one knew where it was. And so, uh, Wayne could have just gone to jail and no one would have made any money, but they kind of strike that deal in prison. I will get you there, I will open it up, and we'll split it. And then you'll go your way, I go my way, and we everyone leaves richer. Yeah. Yeah. And but so, kind of at the last minute, Wayne says, hey, if we're partners, get rid of your gun, because I don't have one and we don't need them, and... And he yeah, did. He did it was that a combination. Lock. Yeah, yeah. He did that because he knew he had a gun stashed in that box. So he opens the box, gets the money out, and has a gun. And now Lyle doesn't have a gun, and the tables are turned. Yeah. Which I feel like is a really good note to self. If you ever hide a bunch of stolen money, make sure there's a gun along with it. I have to say, I kind of agree. I thought, woo, that's a nice little, that's a clever little tip that he mm. would have thought. You know what? The next time I open this money. It's probably not going to be when I'm yeah, alone. It will probably be under duress. <laughs> I better prepare. Most likely. Yeah. And uh, it's a great idea. Uh, noted. Yeah, well, so I'm following that one away. Things continue to go from tense to more tense. Yeah, it's I mean, awesome. Now Wayne's got a gun, and he's almost more unhinged to me because we really don't know. I mean, he's the one that started this whole thing, right? He's the one that decided he wanted to bump off his wife. So there is a level of cold-blooded crazy that kind of trumps Lyle's crazy, which is just sort of out there, crazy to be crazy. But Wayne's is super premeditated well, in that, you know, 
that's a whole nother level. There's the darkness of greed and then like the darkness of like murder. And I think that's like what, I mean, they're all just evil except right. for Michael. Yeah. Michael <laughs> honestly is the only, the only good person here. And he is a good person in this movie. But what makes this great is because it's like a Royal Rumble. It's like a battle royale where all four of them really, really, really don't like every other person in the group. And it's just chaos, really. They all have the upper hand at one point or another in this battle. And it and you know, their shots fired and Dennis Hopper pulls a switchblade out of his out of his coat and throws it and it sticks in Wayne's neck and it's stuck in Wayne's neck for the rest of the movie, but he doesn't die because it didn't hit the artery. And then Lyle and Michael are fighting and they're fighting through this graveyard. It's really cool, really dark, really ominous. Yeah, and gritty, like, Lyle finds a a length of chain on the ground, and Michael is kicking him, and it's this really physical scene. Raw. Really raw. Meanwhile, Suzanne is trying to just get out of here, so she's gone over to Wayne to try to find the keys to the car. In the meantime, well, the shots were fired, and so the caretakers of of the cemetery hear the shots. They call, they say, well, we better call the local police. We think they've driven way far out of town. They call the local police, and it's just the sheriff's office back in town, right? And so, all everyone is yeah. Connie pushes Everyone's the button. Convene on this one spot. Connie pushes the button. Oh, she does. She's the one button, and it's so funny because he, the 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 dead uh, deputy's like back there in the back with the sheet over him. I know. No, still. she's just there with the dead body, just chilling. There is an interesting scene when uh, Michael is has Lyle around with like a chain and he ends up getting Lyle stabbed on this statue, but it's like of two soldiers, like one holding the other in battle. And like, they were the battle buddies. Yes. And I didn't catch that. I was so glad you picked up on that. I saw that too. I saw that too at the end. And I was like, Ooh, look at that. Soldier soldier (laughs) versus soldier. Yeah. It's really good. And and it's really great how Michael ends up just impaling him through like through a bayonet, the bayonet on the statue. Yeah, and he just yeah. like, sticks through his chest, and uh, and Lyle—he's like, oh, a tough son of a bitch, but you you think he's done for. Yeah, I mean, you assume that he's impaled and he's not going anywhere. So Wayne is like out of commission, so to speak, because he's got a knife in his neck. Supposedly, Lyle is dead. Michael walks back to find Suzanne, who is searching around on the ground. She's next got the to, gun now. Yeah, she's found the gun that Wayne had on the ground. But you can't find the car keys. But you don't know if she's going to go for Michael. Like, well, we she really we, could. Well, the movie sets it up that she's about to kill him. Yeah. So he kind of limps back to the car and sees Suzanne. And Suzanne turns the gun on him as if she's going to shoot him. But what she actually does is... Shoot, uh... Lyle. Who's like somehow gotten himself off of this. Because he's a tough son of a bitch. Yeah. He's, so he's, he's like Lyle. pulled himself That's off of That's our this. Lyle. Yeah. That's Johnny Cash. Lyle. Yeah, that is Johnny. That yeah, is he's like Lyle. pulled himself off of this statue and is prepared to like really. Like, like a, a bayonet through the sternum. Like yeah. a hole in the middle of his chest. I dare say it might have killed me. Yeah. Not Lyle. <laughs> no, not Lyle. What kills him is six rounds. Oh man, and Hard. she just she just gets him. She just like man. without flinching. Dennis Hopper is so great in this movie. Wasn't he great? Yeah, he was. He really it was, just was. Such a such a really really fun, exciting um, performance that he, he just went all out. Super funny, and I'm glad he's dead. But he was great to see. Yeah, we enjoyed him. I think he was the best performer in the whole movie. Ooh. Ooh. 
fight. Too soon, maybe right now. Okay, we'll talk about it. Okay. Okay. So now all the bad guys are dead, right? All the bad guys are dead. We kind of feel like Suzanne maybe has proven her mettle by saving Michael's life a little bit, right? We're like, okay, not as crazy. Yeah. Not as crazy. Now they got to get out of there and they still can't find the car keys and the cops are coming, but so is a train. Right. So here's our escape. So Suzanne grabs the bag of money. The the two of them, Michael and Suzanne, are heading for the train. Right. Maybe, Maybe they'll get to Mexico after all. So she grabs the money and the gun, runs after Michael. They both jump on the train. We think they're getting away. And I wasn't Everything sure he was going to make it on the train. Yeah, there's a little bit of like a will, a little will bit, they, right? won't they? Will she make it? But he, they both make it on. Right. And, uh, you know, it's the, the typical throw the money up here. It's like the Indiana Jones and in Last Crusade where, you know, give me the money. She throws it in. He grabs her and gets her up. So they're going to get away. Yeah. Except when she gets into the train, the gun she grabbed flies out. Well, and she gets up and grabs it right away, and he realizes, you know, she's always in it really for the money, and he's just over it at this point. Right. I guess this means you'll be going to Mexico by yourself, huh? There's the door. I suggest you use it. Is that what you said to the ranch hand? You shot him. Didn't you? Yeah. Obviously, I didn't do a very good job. Next time, I'll be a little more thorough. Why? Why? He found out about me. He wanted my money. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Stay away from the bag. I kind of like it. Don't make me shoot you. That's right. No bullets. Michael, Michael, please. We can work something out. There's enough money for both of us. Huh? I'm really sorry. I'll give you half. I'll give you half. You stupid son of a bitch! You want it? Go get it. Son of a bitch! I mean, he has put up this entire movie with lying, cheating, revenge, everyone just stabbing everyone in the back, and he is done with this lady. He is over it. But he understands all this all this time, you know, he was okay when he had no money and no gas. But he had his integrity. Right. And everything is lost at this point. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Well, this shows it. Like, all of this happened because people were just greedy and they wanted money. Yeah. Well, and all this happened to him because he thought he should be Lyle. Right. He Mm -hmm. opens up the bag. It's the first Mm -hmm. time the bag actually gets opened up. And, yep, there's half a million dollars in there. Yeah. You know, she's got a... Suzanne has a gun trained on him this whole time. They're having this tense conversation. And he's basically like, shoot me if you want. But... So, so so she's got the gun trained on him. He, in his mind, realizes that there's probably not a bull in that gun. He grabs the money. He walks over the door and does, I think, I know I was torn. I'm like, oh, man, that's a lot of money. Maybe you shouldn't. But he redeems himself. I think in this act, he, he turns the bag over and lets all of the money go. And I think this is his moment of redemption. This is him 
making good on all of the bad that has happened because he lied in the very beginning. He is saying everything that that led to, I am making right, or I am doing everything I can in my power to reconcile the situation to something that might end in a positive way. So he dumps out the money and she walks up and she's really upset about that. And he says, well, if you want to go get it and pushes her off the train. Yeah. And she like goes rolling in the dirt and he goes riding the rails down away from Red Rock. Finally, he finally gets away. And I think that the uh, deputies catch up and they find her. There's maybe in a little bit of what goes around comes around or you finally made the right decision. There's one little bundle of money maybe five grand that's stuck in the door of the train. Yeah. The sequel to this was going to be how that decision made it, <laughs> made a whole new comedy of theirs or whatever. But it, you know, it didn't, it did okay in Europe, but not enough for the sequel. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, everyone gets their comeuppance. He gets out of town and the last shot of the movie is actually a very beautiful shot of this slow moving train moving through the beautiful mountains of Wyoming and... Yeah, heading towards the Rocky Mountains. With an awesome, and I'll say it, awesome Dwight Yoakam song <laughs> playing underneath the, the final credits. Nate yeah. is a country fan. No, oh, no, 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 no. Do not, I do not besmirch me I think I'm going to put that evil on you. I think that's, that's <laughs> Don't you put that on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> I hope your boy has no legs or whatever. <laughs> anyway, uh... It's when this, I think when this song came on, like, so this movie has just been great, right? And this song comes on, you're like, I'm starting to tap my toes, and I said, This is really good. Oh, I'm I really, know. I'm, oh, this is no. a good song, Brit. Brit, is this a good oh. song? I'm a thousand miles from nowhere. Not when you sing it, it's not. <laughs> I'm giving you the, you know, the, the, the yeah, emotional. Right. Did you feel. seriously not get anything out of that song? Like, did nothing? It's, I've listened to it like 10 times. I believe that you have. Oh, yeah. Brit, Brit, I Brit. Oh. I love it. This is a good song. It's fine. Wow. Let, let's wrap it up. Your heart of stone. Here. I know. Uh, that was Red Rock West. Red Thanks, Rock West. Guys. Red Rock West. Uh, are you going to stick around for our ratings? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we will be back. Speaking of A Thousand Miles from Nowhere, the song that was written in two hours specifically for this movie, here it is, Dwight Yoakam, Take It Away. just heard a riveting review of Red Rock West starring Nicolas Cage. I was riveted. Amongst others. And uh, yeah, I think we had a pretty good time. Oh yeah. 
I, yeah, I had a great time. What a what a breath of fresh air. Yes. This felt like a cool drink of water in the desert that has been mid-90s Nicolas Cage films. Yeah. I mean, even, a small honey, yeah, even Honeymoon in Vegas, which was It was like good. Brain. It was like brain candy, though. It was just sort of, you know, saccharin and... Like, this I one made you think a little bit, This right? one was quality. It made me think a lot. Yeah. All right. So, let me ask you guys. So, we're going to start off with Haley and Lucas here. Uh, your scores are insignificant and don't count. Oh, okay. For our running totals. <laughs> but uh, because you're here, because you drove a thousand miles to get here mm, just to yes. be on this show, <laughs> we're going to ask you. So, in terms of entertainment, what would you rank this movie between zero to four stars? And you have to agree, by the way. Does it have to be, uh, does it, can it be like half? It absolutely can okay, be Okay, so on the count of three, we're going to both say it at the same time. It's going to be the same number. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. Are you ready? Three, two, one. Three. 3.5. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> we can say it at the same time. All right, so you got to settle on one. Uh, I'll, I'll do 3.5. Okay. Okay, great. Uh, why was it so entertaining for you guys? It's just a straightforward story with straightforward acting. But it was still really gripping and really entertaining. How about you, Haley? The movie was entertaining based on the dialogue, the characters. Oh, especially the characters. I really loved Lyle. He's hilarious. He's he's brooding and creepy and also kind of like a crazy uncle at the same time. I don't know how they did that, but it was <laughs> great. kind of a crazy uncle. That's true. Hey, Britt, how about you? Entertainment. Oh, man. I'm going to have to go with a three. I will say I debated 3.5, but no, I think I agree completely with Haley and Lucas. Solid, fun, but really well done. Excellent direction. Nothing was overly complicated, but it still was really fun to watch. I enjoyed having all of the tension and the you know few twists that there were were really significant. They weren't just done, I think, to be flashy. Mm-hmm. It was essential to the story but man at the end of it i think we all like i would have clapped if i'd been in a theater it was very well done and lots of fun to watch yeah and i would have been applauding too i give it a 3.5 super entertaining for me really tense but in a fun way like i wasn't freaking out tense it was just suspenseful great characters funny very 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 entertained and i would recommend it to almost anyone who wants to watch it just a a really entertaining, suspenseful Western noir thriller. Yep. It's mm, it's awesome. Very good. Kind of kind of as entertaining like um, No Country for Old Men was entertaining. That kind of same kind of suspense. Haley and Lucas, what about on an artistic level? We're gonna go with a two point five. Okay, why? Well, I think it is not your Sundance film that we now know today, but its meaning, its its plot. I think how it kind of draws the character through this situation where he has to truly test whether integrity is the core root that he wants to found his life on. Like he has to go through that and he ends it and he's lost everything. Doesn't have a car, doesn't have his clothing, doesn't have an idea of a job, but he like lands in this train going into the Rocky mountains, knowing like this is what he wants. He wants to be honest He's done with greedy people. I don't know. You just leave kind of being like, yeah, I want to do good by people and not lie and cheat. It had something to say. Yeah. Yeah. Bert, how about you? Artistic. I think that I'm going to give it a three. We have seen several attempts at artistic films lately, and this one actually 
does what it says it's going to do. It performs. It's got an incredible story. It's very well done. There are a lot, there are, like we sort of have talked about already, some nuances to the way that things are shot, uh, choices that are made with regard to costume, even like you said, the car, black car versus the white car. I mean, all of those things play into the story without hitting you over the head and trying to make you feel like it's an artsy film. There is meaning to it. It doesn't seem as though things are done arbitrarily. And I really appreciate that because it actually does contribute to the entertainment value for one, but just the overall story itself. It doesn't have to be flashy, but the things that it does, it does intentionally and it does very well. I must have thought a little bit more of this film artistically than you guys. I give it a 3.5. Woo! Okay. And uh, that's a big deal because I went to the Art Institute. All right? <laughs> no, but seriously, um, beautiful shots. And it's not just the scenery. The scenery was great, but just beautiful composition, mm-hmm. incredible editing, really well paced. It was an hour and a half on the dot. Did not feel slow, did not feel fast, not to me. I think it had something to say. I think it was a the vision of these directors. Every every shot, every scene was intentional. It's just like, oh, here's what we got, and so let's use it. They you could tell that they poured their heart and soul into this and they were trying to say something, not only having a theme in the movie, but executing that theme really well and subtly, not hitting us over the head. I mean, we see a ton of movies, Britt and I, at least for this project that really, really have tried to have something to say. And I think that this did have something to say. Amos and Andrew was trying to talk about race and Zandali was trying to talk about like tortured art. This was trying to talk about morality and honesty and it worked and it didn't hit you over the head. It was just fantastic. I think this is a work of art as opposed to some of the movies that we've seen. I think it accomplishes everything it wanted to and it's a 3.5 and it's solid. I loved this movie. All right, Haley and Lucas, round us out. How do you think Nicolas Cage did in this movie overall? I think we're going with a three. Cage does a good job of being the everyman, but he doesn't do it in a way that is overacted. And I think um, just with the support of actors that he has with him, it's just well executed. And he, um, I never am distracted by the fact that it is Cage. I think the entire time I was thinking that this was this Michael, that he was really this man, you know, kind of down and out from Texas, needing to get his life on track. And you're always rooting for him, too. Or at least we found ourselves rooting for him. All right, Britt. Moment of truth. I'm giving him a three. I don't think that that's a bad score. I think that's a solid score. I think that we have seen him do more well, but what he's done here is provide us with a very tight honed, um, restrained performance. And I don't necessarily think that's easy for him. I think we want to see him sometimes break out, but man, it was solid here. I anticipate four level performances from him in future films. And we, I think have certainly seen that even in past films like Vampire's Kiss comes to mind. But I think for what the storytellers were trying to do, they got a solid performance from him. He was, I don't necessarily want to say entertaining, but he was intriguing. Mm-hmm. He was definitely fascinating to watch. I think that, um, again, he gave us a really great 
performance. He did not phone it in on this one. And I'm pleased that the director knew what he had in a Nicolas Cage and actually could use it to do an incredible job of shaping this character, which ultimately shaped the whole story. Yeah, I'm right there with you guys. I give it a three. We're, Nicolas Cage is so associated with just over-the-top craziness in a way. This is such a restrained performance. We have not seen a performance this restrained yet at all. Um, the only thing I can think of that's as restrained of this that I've seen is Joe uh, a couple years ago. And even that has exclamation points of violence and rage and, and anger and even humor. But this doesn't have that. It's really... All in, the, all in his eyes and all in his non-verbals. He doesn't say a lot, but you never wonder what he's thinking or where he's coming from. He's not a mystery. He is our entry point into this movie. He is our hero, but not because he's great, just because through his performance, he makes us want good things to happen for him. And we feel sorry for him. We empathize with him. And it's not because he's overacting and it's not because he's saying a lot. It's because he's just doing a great, solid performance. And so I think that warrants a three. Again, great movie. Loved it. It's going to yeah, be at the top. Yeah. Okay, let me do the math really quick here. I think, and I will confirm this next week, but I feel like that brings it up to a 19 Woo! out of 24. Nice. Which, uh, I'm not high. looking it up right now, but if memory serves me, that's tied for second place with wow. Raising Arizona. Vampire's really? Kiss is still our number one. I cannot believe it. Uh, at 19.5. We might need to revisit that because... This was pretty awesome. In retrospect, like, is Vampire's Kiss better than Red Rock West? No, but... It's so different. It's so different. It's His so performance. Different. We gave him fours across the board for performance, and so, I don't know. We're going to have to see when all this shakes out, but what a great movie. Top, top level uh, Nicolas Cage movie. So glad we watched it, and I would recommend any of you. We don't always do this, but I would recommend any of you to go out and watch this movie. Get your hands on it. I hope you've watched it already so we haven't spoiled the whole thing for you, but... Go ahead, make it happen, and see it. I think we can all agree, right? Yes. Yep. Okay, great. Yeah. The only thing left is our patented CageCast Running Totals Rapid Fire Questionnaire. Britt, let's do this. Ooh. Are you ready? Ready. In this movie, Red Rock West. Red Rock West. <laughs> is Nicolas Cage a lady killer? No, definitely not. I mean, he bags a lady, but kind she of, bags him. She yeah. bags him. Yeah, yeah, it's more the other way around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she's a man. She's a man-eater. Oh, yes. <laughs> Here she comes. Uh, in this movie, is Nicolas Cage drunk or high? No. 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 Well, I mean, he drinks a beer. But he's yeah. not drunk. He's not drunk. He is of sound. Yeah, he's this... surrounded by drunk highness. Yeah. In this movie, Britt, does Nicolas Cage have crazy hair? No. Normal hair. Normal, normal character 90s hair. Appropriate character hair. appropriate hair. In this movie, does Nicolas Cage have a crazy voice, accent, or inflection? No. Thankfully. He has a twinge of Texan, but he's from Texas. Not even. Is he? A twinge. Well, no, in, in the movie, movie. The character. The character is. In this movie, Britt, does Nicolas Cage show us even a dusting of Cage Rage? Listen, you want me to say yes because he says, fuck Mexico in an angry voice. I will give it to you, but it is literally, folks, two words of Cage Rage. We are squeaking by on the definition no, no, no. of I Cage Rage. You pair that with him 
hitting, punching a light bulb, punching, punching yeah. a light bulb. He's and, frustrated. And He's frustrated. In his car. If you're frustrated, yeah. you punch the roof of your car. Well, if you're an ex-marine, you're not. He is. <laughs> Cage Rage, yeah. Cage, Cage Rage, yes. Uh, in this movie, does Nicolas Cage punch or get punched? Yes, yes. for sure. Both. Okay, lots yeah. of punching. Lots in this of fisticuffs. The punch happy movie and. The question on all of our minds. In this movie, does Nicolas Cage run with a flashlight? No! no. I thought it might happen. Oh, They're in the dark. Definitely there was, in the graveyard. There were scene. headlights. Yeah, right? Yeah, I no know. No flashlights. So much potential. Well illuminated. Dark. No running with flashlights. So you guys don't know, in Amos and Andrew, two different characters ran with flashlights. Really? Yeah. Neither of them was oh, Amos. No. Heartbreaker. So, that's a tease. And scene. That was uh, Red Rock West, people. I love Woo. it. Well, what, what a great movie. It was good. I just got to say. Red Rock West. <laughs> and so next up on the show is 1993's Deadfall, directed by Christopher Coppola, who happens to be the brother of a little-known actor named Nicolas Cage. Woo. Wonder how he got the job. <laughs> um, it's funny because we have... Uh, only a few years to go before leaving Las Vegas in 1995, but seven movies to go. Oh this is like the rennest. Like Cage is just working his tail off in this season. So another 1993 movie, Deadfall, starring Michael Bean, Sarah Trigger, and of course, Nicolas Cage. Have you seen Deadfall? I've seen a few clips on YouTube, and I am not uh, quite sure what we're getting ourselves into. What do you remember about the film? What do you think about Cage in the movie? Send us your thoughts. Yes, please. Send us your review, and we will get you on the air. You can email us at ilovecagecast at gmail.com, or call... 3308 cage okay that's 3308224365 <laughs> oh by the way we got a voicemail <gasps> hey let's, what yeah i know can't believe it i was so excited until i heard it let's listen to that right now steve this is jack give me a call Sean, if you get a chance afternoon or tomorrow give me a call would you i'll talk to you later Oh, what? You could imagine my excitement when I saw that our Google Voice had a call. People, you're killing me. <laughs> you're not here in the studio, but I am visibly upset. I'm, I'm shake, I'm trembling. Call that number. I don't care what you say. Just call in. Listen, we got wrong number guy on the air. Wrong number guy. <laughs> wrong number guy. Who's unaware of our there. existence made it. Okay, yeah. so call the number for Pete's sake. Uh, music this week can be found by looking really hard all over the internet. Our theme song was written by Chris Cornell and Soundgarden and performed by Johnny Cash. Also, please, uh, none of you are doing this, so I don't know why I ask. How dare you? But remember to go to iTunes and leave us a four or five star review. It will help. Haley and Lucas, why? I didn't see your review on there. Just saying. Crickets. Uh huh. Crickets. <laughs> That twenty four fifty is looking pretty good at this point. Oh man, thanks you guys. to uh, <laughs> thanks to our good friends Haley and Lucas yes, for you guys. for uh, sure. coming on awesome. and being you. tortured. And uh, we'll be back next time. But until then, we leave you with a reminder that if I hadn't had my brakes just done, I'd be picking your brains out of my radiator. Bye. 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 Everyone talk. Talk, everyone talk, 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 tal
Cause we're talky people. Okay, talking. so. Hey, Britt. What? <laughs> no, you didn't say the guess what. Do it again. Hey, Britt. And then you say what? <laughs> oh. And then I say guess what? Oh, okay. I know okay. it's not it's written, but we do it every week. <laughs> All right, so. okay. Oh, okay. All right, blooper number two. <laughs> 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 hang on, hang on. Compose yourself. Uh, um, go. Yes. Wait. <sighs> yes, Mr. Hammerstein. Go. You have a visitor. That's an outtake. Uh, <laughs> hey, Britt. I guess he's not even in town, really. He's still in the middle of nowhere. You're kind of like, well, then we say I'm rolling rolling into town. Uh, Robot Brit strikes again. Like a little bit more. (laughs) Rolling into town. (laughs) Energy. Energy, energy, energy. energy. Not too crazy. (laughs) Stop, stop. Don't say in 1990. Just say June 16th, 1993. All right. What would your mom say? <laughs> what does the fox say? You should call her up. What does the fox say? <laughs> All right, yeah, we gotta, we gotta. Sorry, clip stay along. On track. Okay. <clears throat> it's uh, the wrong number. Someone's like, <laughs> yeah. So Carl, if you could. Um, <laughs> This wink, call me back. That'd be, uh, that'd be great. And I'll talk to you later. Bye. It's like 13 seconds. That's great. <laughs> oh, what? You could imagine my excitement. <laughs>